And I'm Chad Bokelman. And this is The Lantern Cast. Episode 98. Yes, tonight we will be getting to the, well, it's the, the May books, and it is parts 7, 8, and 9 of War of the Green Lanterns. So, just about getting to the end. Absolutely, and I have a summer cold, so if I sound like a 40-year-old man or a 12-year-old girl, it's all the same, it's all good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and with that, we'll just go right into... Uh, <laughs> Take that pull-away cloak. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, st- starting us off is uh, issue 66 of Green Lantern. Oh, you know, I just realized it's since it's War of the Green Lanterns, the the title is Green Lanterns. Did yeah, you, did you look at the cover. Yeah, but I don't think it matters now that they're doing the whole reboot. It's not going to stay like that. Oh no, no. But it was just an interesting thing. So we have Part Seven: War of the Green Lanterns. This is uh, written by Johns, drawn by Doug Mankey, um, inked by uh, several people probably. Yeah, it's the usual army. You have Keith Champagne, Christian Alamy, Mark Irwin, and Tom Naguian. Colors, Randy Mayer. Um, and this is probably the only book that we're going to remember to do all that information. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually the case. Yeah, so you got, you know, War of the Green Lanterns is raging on. Mogo is spitting out, you know, thousands of rings. And basically right now, the restrictions are kind of relaxed, so anybody can get a ring, because once you get a ring, you're under Krona's control. So Krona's just like, you know, trying to build an army to, you know, do whatever he wants to do, get everything done. So while these rings are being, you know, spit out all throughout the cosmos, you have Hal Jordan and Guy Gardner. They are, like, at the central power battery, and, uh... Their, their goal is to pull Parallax out of the battery, but uh, they ran into a little interference with the other Guardians who are currently being inhabited by the Entities. So they're not having too much luck, you know, despite their power rings. Uh, Guy doesn't even really get to use his, his power gauntlet, because just as he's about to, Krona comes by and zaps him with, with a rainbow energy power. I don't understand that entirely. But uh, we cut away from that, and uh, we go into the Book of the Black. And uh, inside the Book of the Black, we see Sinestro in a Green Lantern costume. Uh, wait, what's going on there? Apparently he's having a flashback to you know his days on Korrigar as a Green Lantern. And while he's you know viewing this, going up against a Manhunter he comes to the realization that he's actually not a Green Lantern and that the image is completely fake, that he's actually in the Sinestro Corps. And coming to that realization allows him to kind of travel throughout the book. And so he, you know, it kind of happens upon some of the other, you know, New Guardians visions that they're seeing, uh, St. Walker, Larflees, and Atrocitus, and then he gets to a jail, like a jail cell. And we start seeing some familiar faces, the Indigo tribesmen. And Sinestro's looking around, and all of a sudden, who pounces on his back 
but Indigo won. Uh, but she has no idea, you know, who Indigo is because, you know, she doesn't respond to that name. But she wants to know is where it is this place is that she was jailed by Abin Sir. She is clearly not under any compassion spell at the moment. Sinestro breaks away from that and he continues on. And that's when Crona opens up the book and says, uh, you're not needed anymore and sets his page on fire, leading us to uh, wonder what's going to happen to Sinestro. And uh, then we cut back to Hal Jordan and Guy Gardner, who uh, had a, a costume change, apparently. They are now wearing the Malthusian evolution robes. Krona, his, his plan, you know, is, is being revealed. He wants to have these humans evolve to the level of Guardians, because the, the old Guardians are no longer fit to rule the universe. It's, it's going to be in the hands of the humans and Krona now. Or so he plans. So what'd you think? Um, it was good. Um, it went fast. It definitely was a fast read. And for some reason, like, no matter how many times, like, I try and remember what happens. It's like, I know the basic gist of what happens. But it's like, I don't know. The, the ideas just keep slipping through my mind like water. Huh. I liked it. Um... Although I have a couple of minor problems. So. Oh, okay. Well, the first one that happens on the first page. I'm curious as to why so many rings are going to one sector. Be probably, um, probably because they're nearby. Because there's a bunch of inhabited, you know, beings, sentient beings just nearby. So they're just recruiting anybody. Yes. At all. Right. Okay. Because these guys are firing weapons at, I don't know, maybe harmless people, and I don't know. And, and what is what's going to happen to these people down the line? Let's say if someone breaks the mind control, the Greenlanders are experiencing. Well, um, I don't know actually, because you know you have all these people; they're going to have the rings. Um, well, you know what, actually, if, if they're just giving rings out to anybody and then the ring takes over your mind so that you're basically just, uh, you know, a foot soldier for Krona, then once the mind control, you know, is gone, you most likely won't have what it takes to use the ring. Which means you're dead in space? (laughs) Well... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, come on. They were dicks anyway. I don't know. One of them is uh, caring for a wounded brother, it looks like. Probably caring for a soldier as they're firing into harmless, you know, people trying to defend their world. Alrighty. I don't know. And then my other main problem, and I was going to discuss this because I was on the CGS episode talking about War of the Green Lanterns. But um, didn't get a chance to do it. What? what <laughs> yes, the Guardians um, pos- being possessed by the Entities is a big deal. But I don't understand how Hal Jordan and Guy Gardner can hold their own. Because 
not only are they entities, but they are guardians possessed by entities. Their power level here should be almost infinite, <laughs> in my mind. It just doesn't seem like they're powerful enough. Well, I mean, they're not really holding their own. I, I mean, like, they they don't really do any damage at all to the Guardians. Yeah, but they hardly do any damage to them. But that's that's because they're just kind of, like, playing with them until Krona gets there. I, as soon as Krona shows up, it's just like, zap, you're done. Yeah. Um, but then, I mean, on top of that, I guess you could also look at it as, you know, with the Guardians, with the entities inside them, so they have the entity's power and they also have their, you know, guardian power. Um, it could be that with the new sensation of having the entity inside them, they don't know their full power potential because it's, you know, something new to them. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I basically just look at it as the guardians are just kind of like toying with them until Krona got there. All right. Well, do you see any residual effects coming from this? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely going to be, you know, major repercussions with the Guardians. It has to be. I like I like how Hal Jordan is like, you know, it's like, you know, fear is the most powerful, you know, thing in the universe. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to add to that. I just thought it was, it was interesting. Yeah. And it was important that you said flashback too when you when it's it's not like a, a something generated by the book of black. These are flashbacks to the history of these characters. So I find it interesting that this is how as far as Sinestro's history, this is the first time he has ever encountered the Manhunters. Well, okay. That particular section with Sinestro going up against his well, we're, we're assuming it's their past. Um, yes. And the thing that really struck me about this is that in his vision, he's a Green Lantern. And everything is going along fine. And then all of a sudden he realizes that Abin Sur is dead and he's no longer a Green Lantern. And when he realizes that, his eyes well up. Yeah. Like, like he could cry at the fact that he's no longer a Green Lantern. And at that moment, like, all of a sudden, like, I got this realization, like, what if, what if Sinestro, what if he was a really great Green Lantern up until the time that Abin Sir died, and then he started looking into the prophecies himself, and that's when he found out about you know, fear and that he would have to master fear in order to help overcome Blackest Night. Yeah, I could see that. You know, like... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, I mean, like, because lately they've really, really been, like, trying to redeem him, like, big time. You know, it's almost like they really want to justify, you know, what he's done and... They they're really taking like the villainous aspect away from him, and and like reading this, it's like it's really just like, well, what if you know we saw how Parallax attached himself to Hal Jordan, 
you know, who's to say that the same thing didn't happen to Sinestro? And, you know, you know, the subjugating of his people was something that happened, like, after he became paranoid, you know, or, you know, was affected by hearing about the Blackest Night prophecies. Right. I, I just see it as, the way I read it, it was, you know, after after hearing your, your, your idea, it was like, he kind of understood why the Guardians kept things from, things from people, but once it resulted in the death of his friend and and all of this, that's when he turned? Uh, that's possible, too. Um, but, I mean, like, with, with my line of thinking, it's like, it, it could very well be that he, he did what he did and he went after, you know, the power of the yellow, not because he wanted to, but because he was capable of it and he knew that he was going to have to. He knew that somebody was going to have to in order to eventually, you know, turn back the, the Blackest Night. Like, actually, that, that plays right into the Sinestro Corps War. Because everything that they were doing with that war was to push the Green Lanterns to having new rules so that they could kill. Okay. Oh my god. That would be crazy if, like, this whole thing has just been, like, Sinestro's plan the entire time, you know? And that he always hated having to give up the Green Lanterns, but he had to do what he had to do for the greater good. That would be amazing. Sounds like something Johns would do. He's always, he's really worked Sinestro into being more of a... I I won't say he's solely an anti-hero versus a, and not a villain at all, but more of a, I mean, hell, the fact that Jason and Corwin and everybody love Sinestro this much, there's something about him, some redeeming quality they see, so. Yeah, that's, that's cool stuff. So. It sounds like something Johns would do. What, what do you think about the, the whole Indigo scene? I, uh, I, I posted something on, on the forums and because my mind is kind of scatterbrained right now, maybe I should um, read straight from that. <laughs> uh, so let me just go ahead and do that. Um, when Sinestro is ripping through the pages of the Book of the Black, why is Indigo imprisoned by Avin? Why does Avin have a private jail? And Monk and the bird-like creature we see are both future members of the Indigo Corps. And Indigo once said Avin was her savior, not to mention Avin Sir's name is part of their oath. What if he's not just the savior of Indigo? What if he's responsible for the Indo- the Compassion Corps, oh, the Compassion Corps period? Uh, what if the re- reason Avin kept them all hidden and imprisoned is because he heard rumors of the Indigo light? What if he didn't like what he was doing as a Green Lantern, didn't like how the prisoners were dealt with? What if he kept them all away from the eyes of the Guardians and used the Indigo light to force them to, conceal, to feel compassion, forcibly reforming them and giving them another chance? Uh, think about it. Avin went to talk to Atrocitus. Avin went to Riot alone, uh, trying to uncover the mysteries of the Guardians. They hate that. So whatever Avin was doing, he was doing because he didn't like the Guardians' way of doing things. Any of this making sense? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's, those are excellent points. The only, the only other thing that, I, that I'll add is that when I was reading this scene, it occurred to me that and this was like the second time I ended up reading it, actually. Um, 
I got to the scene and like you see how violent she is, how absolutely without compassion she is. You know, the other people are, you know, in the jail as well. And they're just kind of like the bird looks pretty angry as well. You, know, you look at the the look on his face. He's got like angry eyes. They're red. Um, they're all just like they, they basically all look like degenerates. And it made me think. It's like, well, wait a second. It's indigo. Now we know that the farther away from the center you get, the more the ring has control over you. Like, I guess what I never considered was the fact that with the orange ring. Like, you put on an orange ring, and that's all-consuming. You want, 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 want. It just takes you over. The want. Well, why on earth wouldn't the exact opposite be true for the flip side of the uh, the spectrum with Indigo? You know, the compassion completely takes you over. So that no matter how you felt before, you're just, just completely filled with compassion you know, blocking out everything else. That would make sense, especially considering the relationship that fear and uh, hope have on you. Like, um, when Hal is wearing the ring, he's starting to sound more like Sinestro. And once Kyle's got the ring, he's, you know, talking more and more like uh, Saint Walker. It's all hope and all hope. It's not necessarily that they're being controlled. It's that their thoughts are going along a very certain path. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, one one train of thought makes more sense than the others. Right. Yeah. No. Good point. The only the only thing that doesn't completely add up is like the the Red Lantern and Violet Lantern because I, I feel like those should be those should work even more on your mind than they they do or have been demonstrated to do so far they do initially well i mean with with red it's 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 the two extremes of the spectrum they take they take immediate hold over you once okay think about it um uh let's say you're caught in a really desperate situation with rage let's say someone kills a member of your family right in front of you uh-huh. you see red you go insane you kill somebody and and from all intents and purposes, for all intents and purposes, what we've seen in, in movies and books and all this stuff, that's never enough. You still have that anger. You still want to go at it. And it, it's this this driving force that can all that's all consuming takes you over, and it is your reason for living, is is to 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 act on this rage. Well, exact opposite of the spectrum with love it's the same thing once you feel it that whole puppy love thing and that's it's the reason we have things like puppy love it's the reason we have things like sayings like well the honeymoon is over because once it starts that initial start of the whole thing it's it's this all consuming they're all you can think about um you, you try to incorporate them in every part of your life and and it's and once you learn to master your relationship with that particular emotion, it's still a very powerful emotion, but you can kind of see through it a little bit. The way Atrocitus is able to stay focused on his goal, but use rage as his his power behind his his goal. The same way Carol 
is taking steps forward in her life by letting Hal go and becoming queen of the Zamorans. She's she's kind of mastered her emotion. You can see through the love, but it's still a driving force. I see what you're saying, and I agree with your justifications. But when you think about you know Violet and Red being the the very ends of the spectrum, the fact that they can like the fact that Atrocitus can overcome his rage, you know, for however long in order to have a truce with Green Lanterns. Like, it, it's, it seems like the ring is, it doesn't have as much sway over you when you compare that to, say, the Indigo tribe, who, you know, if they stop being compassionate, they would go back to being criminals. You know, or Larflees, who always wants... The only time he ever doesn't just completely want everything is when he's being, you know, like somebody's shining a blue light on him. You know, that's the only thing that would satisfy him, and even that's only temporary. You know, like, it's almost like they've spent so much more time telling us how much hotter the fire burns for an orange lantern than for a red lantern, kind of. Yeah, well... So you're you're saying I'm saying that like I understand your justification and if they had written it like that then I would totally believe that because it makes a lot of sense. So what you're saying is you think orange is worse than red the same way it's seeming like indigo is worse than violet. I'm saying that more extreme. I'm saying as it has so far been demonstrated in the comics Indigo and Orange seem more extreme than Violet and Red. I think that, like, both Violet and Red should be more, um, they should take over you more. But I think we, I feel like we have not seen that. I don't think they've given us, uh, done a good job of demonstrating that the Red and the Violet, you know, are more compelling than the Orange and Indigo. I don't. I don't know about the red. I mean, we've seen um, what happens when a certain red lantern busts out of the science cells and goes insane. You know. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. We, yeah. I, I'm just trying to think of, of examples of Violet though, because Mary seems pretty sweet. You know. And like the only, the only one that kind of fits the, you know, the Violet like that would be Fatality. Yeah. But then we'll see the, the that's the other thing there. You have the the uh, the crystal chambers on Zamboran that convert people to the violet light. I don't know. Maybe that's an offshoot of the compassion. But that that's that's just it though. Like if Indigo, you put a ring on somebody and they become compassionate, then with Violet, Violet being that much stronger you should be able to put a ring on somebody and, like, you know, it's even faster change and, you know, more more of a change than with Indigo, as opposed to having to put somebody in a crystal chamber and, you know, wait until, you know, the timer goes off and all of a sudden they are now capable of love. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you're saying. I, it, it just seems like 
they put more obstacles in the way, you know, or diminished the, you know, how, how it, it looks, how violent, how strong Violet is. Especially with Carol, just like, I, Carol was always the one that could overcome it. But, you know, she basically, you know, has no effects whatsoever. And then you look at a character like Miri, or even Fatality, and they both definitely look like they're capable of love, but it's just like, I don't know, I, I guess I'm expecting like, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Sailor Moon eyes, you know, heart eyes, you know, like they're in love with everybody kind of thing. Like that uh, that uh, little cartoony bit in the back of the uh, Larfleet special? Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> actually. <laughs> Oh, um, what what about the addictive quality? You were talking about how uh, greed takes you over. It's all mine, mine, mine. What are the addictive qualities of compassion? Well, it's I'm not saying that the compassion is addictive. Okay, all, what are the all-consuming qualities? Well, the all-consuming is that no matter what your tendencies were before you got the ring on. Now, compassion consumes you. Yeah, but that's what I'm... Why? Like, we know why Larfley's is mine, 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 because that is greed. How is compassion, you know, you know oh, what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, here? well, no, yeah, um, I have no idea. That's just how they're writing it, though. The only the only thing I can think of is, is okay, for me personally, I am in large part, the the go-to guy to talk to about your problems among my friends. And that is something, while I uh, enjoy having that relationship with my friends, it's also something I'm very prideful about. I like being able to say that. I like being able to say that um, you talk to me, you know, and I like to, I like to be that person. Yeah, I guess it's it's part in my mind. It's it's somewhat compassion. It's very compassionate, but it's also um, kind of a branch off of the the whole messiah complex kind of a thing. I don't know. Well, so that's the only that's the only connection my my mind is making right off the bat is the addictive quality of being that that light for people. No, it's I'm I'm looking at it as like opposites. Whereas orange is addictive, indigo forces it on you. You know, it's okay. like like. It's the it's opposite sides of the coin, you know. You're if you're addicted to something, then you have to have it. You want more and more and more, as opposed to indigo, where regardless of whether or not you like it, it's being forced down your throat more and more and more. Okay. And by, like by giving us this, you know, this tiny little bit with indigo without a ring, you know, we see that there there's no compassion in her. You know, these are criminals being held in a jail cell and you know and essentially the jail cell is their indigo rings and and the ring forces its compassion into you i don't think we'll understand I, I mean, hell it's 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 the biggest mystery right now yeah yeah i mean like yeah we're not going to figure this out right now i'm just i think that's funny though that almost as much has been revealed to us about indigo as has been revealed about orange but we're all focusing on indigo because we don't <laughs> it, 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 here, we, here, no. goes Chad, here, here goes Chad again about philosophy, but it's just 
we understand greed at a primal level, and and compassion is harder for us to wrap our minds around. No, no, <laughs> like we've we've gotten a lot of information on on orange, you know, like you know, you see all the rings, you know that the map to the orange battery was found in Krona's you know lab along with Parallax in a box, so mm. you know that. Yeah, and the Guardians are all afraid of the orange light, so they know that, you know, something's happened within the past. Someone's been reading my thread. <laughs> oh, I came up with this stuff on the show a long time ago. <laughs> but, Go ahead. Uh, you know, I... The, the orange stuff, like, we've gotten some definitive clues. And, you know, like, while we're not sure the, you know... The, the total origins of the orange lanterns, you know, it, it's, we know what the story is now. We know that Larflees, you know, is the only one. We know he's got the battery. You know, we know that stuff. You know, we know that he made the deal with the guardians to get the, the you know, the sole ownership of the orange light. We don't know really anything about the Indigo. I don't know. I think there are context clues somewhere in there that we're just not catching up on. I don't. I don't know. I, and I don't know. And I don't necessarily think that they would want to give us so many clues right now. And, you know, it's as far as they're you know concerned, like they're telling a story, and every once in a while, like they throw out a little clue here, a little clue there. You're not supposed to, you know, you're not meant to decipher the mystery. It's just to keep you interested in the mystery. All right. Well, then the, the only other thing to discuss, I would guess, about this issue is the reveal of Cronus' plan to convert Pal- the, the Earth Lanterns into the New Guardians to serve alongside him. Yeah, well, that and the fact that Crona burned Sinestro's page. Yeah. Like, what the hell does that mean for Sinestro? I don't think it means he's dead. I can tell you that. Hopefully. Um... Yeah, that's a it's a weird ass plan. It's a weird ass plan for Krona, and the one thing that kept going through my mind was how long are Hal and Guy going to ultimately have these robes on for? And even at such a small amount of time, is it going to have an effect on them? Mm, my and I said. Uh, uh, for those of you who don't know, I was on the CGS uh, episode talking about this, and one of the questions I asked them, which is a question I wanted to ask when we covered it on our show, is does does Krona now seem, in your mind, uh, like Sinestro did when John started writing him? Because once Krona showed up, I was like very clear on this is the villain, and and I'm not supposed to agree, you know, you know, the, the tropes of a comic book, hero, villain, plot, go, you know? Um, um, okay. And, and once, once Krona revealed this plan, I'm not going to say I did a 180, but I did a 90 <laughs> and I was, and I'm kind of in between and I can see Krona's plan, but I can also like, I can also see the way that, um, that his plan would be bad because we've been talking for a while about how much we, as fans, hate the fucking Guardians of the Universe. <laughs> and, 
and how awesome it would be to see them go away and have um, and have them be replaced by whether it be the Earth Lanterns or any of the other Lanterns, how awesome that would be to just see the Guardians off the table. And Krona's plan is a way for us to get what we've wanted. But it's also almost like they've put a stopgap in there to say if this is not what they're going to do, then having the Guardians possessed by the entities makes it more believable to have um, the Guardians still stick around. Did you did you feel that shift in the storyline? Like, well, wait a sec, Krona's got a point. Well, I, I, you know, I, I read that and I'm like, um, I don't know. It's, it's a more altruistic plan than I would have expected from him. But the fact of the matter is he's still crazy. Well, yeah, but so is like, it's, it's the, the, I won't say anti-hero. Corona clearly is not the, the identifying the, the complete tropes of an anti-hero obviously villain but still it's like sinestro doing the wrong things for the right reason um i can see it but i don't know like the fact that he's so crazy kind of takes away from the believability yeah you know it's (laughs) you know it's almost like, you know, he's like, you know, okay, I, you know, I'm putting these, you know, these robes on you to evolve you, to make you into guardians, because, you know, the other guardians no longer can feel emotion. You know, you're the ones that should be ruling this, you know, running this universe, you know, and, and saving people. And then in, like, the next breath, he's like, you know, look at my jacket that I weaved from worms, you know, it's... You can't take what he's saying too seriously because, you know, he'll say something that, you know, maybe makes sense one minute, but, you know, the next thing is, you know, completely crazy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I I read these comics nowadays on two levels. One, especially Green Lantern. One, what is the character saying in the story? Two, what is the writer saying through the character about the state of the Green Lantern Corps or, or, or whatever in that moment. Because this is John's writing. What is he saying about what Krona wants and what... You know what I'm saying? I read this on two different levels. Well, I mean, what he's saying is... You know, listen, you know, Guardi- the Guardians... Well, the other thing is... You know, one of the main reasons he wants the Guardians out is because they never saw eye-to-eye with Krona. Now... Well, for one thing, we have no idea what Krona was even doing back then. So how do we know that we would be, you know, aligning ourselves with Krona either? You know, chances are Guardians of the Universe banished him to energy because, you know, he was trying to do a dick move. So I mean, like, it's just, okay, you, so he's trying to do something right by putting the right people in charge. But he's going about it in such an ass-backwards, crazy way that, you know, it's like two steps forward, three steps back. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, I I know what you – it's just, in my mind, I felt that sudden twist, you know? Yeah. Let's move on. (laughs) Let's do
Uh, Green Lantern Corps number 60, written by Tony Bedard with art by uh, Tyler Kirkham. Colorist, no, inks by Bat. <laughs> <laughs> Colors Rod Reese and Neighborfino. That's probably why I've started to like Green Lantern Corps art a lot lately, is the Neighborfino colors. Yeah, you think? I think so. <laughs> Uh, story opens up with Kyle and uh, John to opening their little portal just above Mogo, uh, right next to a swarm of Green Lantern rings off to find corrupted recruits. Um, what what John decides to do is basically cork this flow of Green Lantern rings by creating a dome. Well, the dome bursts, and they decide they need to come up with a plan B, so they decide to go down into Mogo's core to uh, to have Kyle purify um, purify the the influence of of parallax on Mogo with his with his hope power, so to say. Um, along the way, they run into a construct of Katmatui. Um, just Mogo being corrupted, playing mind games with them as they get closer. Um, they get caught by the Green Lanterns. Uh, obviously, Corona is is, uh, is aware of what they're doing and is sending a, a battalion, so to say, of, of Green Lantern Corps members to take them out. Kyle connects with one of the Lanterns and breaks her influence or her or removes the impurity by creating I'm I'm assuming a construct of her her husband and it works uh, so that temporarily delays them and they get down to Mogo's core and he's trying to break the the, the impurity of Mogo with a construct of buzzed or buzzed I can't remember how I'm supposed <laughs> to say it anymore ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is what Jim will be next time he has to do an episode with me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. I just don't like making sounds as names. Eh, whatever. Um, but lo and behold, the the um, the attempt to break that impurity doesn't work, and Corona's brain ring, so to speak, attacks back with black energy. And the reason it does it is because if we remember back in Blackest Night, um, Mogo sucked all of the attacking Black Lanterns on Oa down into his core to be burned for all eternity, he said. Um, and Kyle gets knocked out, and John decides he needs to take action. So what he does is he, he, he starts trying to figure out what to do forms this mental link with both Krona and Mogo, uh, or Krona through Mogo, and sees that unless this impurity is removed from Mogo, more and more people will be recruited into Krona's core, and the universe will, as we know it, will basically come to a fearful end. Um, so what he does, he freaks out, and using his indigo power, taps into the most powerful... Or dead, as he says, I'm grabbing the deadliest weapon at hand, and he taps into the Black Lantern energy at Mogo's core, teleports outside of Mogo, lines up his shot, shoots down into Mogo's core with the Black energy, 
and kills Mogo. Mogo's dead. Mogo is dead. Now, at this point, I want to point out that the episode with the April books, we recorded that the Tuesday before these issues came out. Okay. So, I had no idea. I haven't listened to that yet. Yeah, I had no idea what was in these issues. (laughs) So, the fact that I was talking about the fact that they should kill Mogo. I just happened to, like, yeah, Chad, you didn't listen to the episode yet? Not yet. No, I basically just threw out there that they should probably just kill Mogo. But did you think John would be the one to do it? I I had no idea. I didn't even think that they actually would. I, and I assumed that he would be around in the future. No, but he wouldn't. I, I, yeah, it, I, I realized after reading this that it's not Mogo that's still around, it's Oa that's still around. Yeah. So um, my, my my exposure to that future is is um, Legion of Three Worlds, when Sodom says Mogo will be missed or whatever. So apparently in the future Mogo is dead. So yet another question I asked on the CGS episode I'll ask here: Do you think Mogo will stay dead? Obviously he's gone in the future, but you know we some people can come back and then die again later. So will Mogo be back or is this it? Is Mogo gone? I I definitely don't think that Mogo is gone for good. You know, I mean, like... Well, I don't know, man, because DC lately has pretty much been uh, giving the big F you to Alan Moore. <laughs> Maybe they're done with it. I, I mean, I guess it's possible, but, you know, you're talking about a... Uh, a book coming out from one of the 52 with a member from each core. Okay. A member from each core and Kyle is going to be heading off the team. And I, I've been seeing some reports that there might even be a black lantern in the group. Yes. Now (laughs) you have a black lantern in the group. Well, who's, which Black Lanterns are there in the DC Universe right now? There's only... There's uh, Black Lantern Firestorm, which... Or Deathstorm, which we're not even sure what's going on with him right now. Haven't seen him in a while. And here you have Mogo that just died. And there was a whole... Well, first off, he was killed using Black Energy. And second of all, he had tons of residual Black Energy at his core. So, yeah, but I don't know how you would write a book with a planet as a member of a team. Really? I, I mean, I, I, I understand. I'm talking, okay, this is a, what, a seven, eight person team we're talking about here. I understand writing Mogo into a story like Green Lantern Corps, where you've got 3,600, well, 70, whatever, 100 members, 7,200 members, and Mogo's in the background and he comes in when shit gets heavy, but as part of a select group of people i i don't know how you'd write them mobile base of operations <laughs> for some reason i thought you were turning mogo into an acronym and then my mind started <laughs> <laughs> no no although your mind's working on it right now isn't it <laughs> no no I, 
God. Um, <laughs> no, it just like be their their mobile base. You know, Mogo can move. Right. Even but, if he didn't move, and they just they reconvene there. But why would a Black Lantern team up with anybody? Their their motive is death. <laughs> that well, is all they are after. Is everything must die? Why? <sighs> well, we we have no idea. Like you know, the whole condition of Mogo. So we don't even know. You know, like. Well, you got to figure if, if any Black Lantern is going to come back and want to help the living, it would probably be Mogo. He's the only one that has so much willpower, you know, that he could kind of keep his Black Lantern tendencies at bay. The way Osiris did? I, I don't... That god-awful Power of Shazam one-shot where Osiris was not really a Black Lantern? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um... Or even, you know, the other way to look at it is, if you, you will look at Deathstorm, he was working for the Anti Monitor. Okay. That's who he was getting his his instructions from. Well, why would he get his instructions from the Anti Monitor? It's because there was nobody else giving him instructions. Necron's cut off. So if Necron's cut off, these Black Lanterns, you know. They don't. They're not getting any instructions. It could be that he's just a Black Lantern. It just brings him back from the dead, and he's not evil because he doesn't have Necron controlling him. Okay. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Alright. But what did you think of the issue overall? Overall, I actually the writing I, I thought was fantastic. I thought it was the the best Green Lantern core issue that Bedard has written so far. I believe I believe so as well. I really like the art too. Yeah, I, I I've been digging the Tyler Kirkham art. I like the way that he draws Kyle. I I for some reason dig that. I do too. I was just about to say that I would like a an art page with this art of Kyle as a Blue Lantern. Yeah, it's it's nice. It's like I don't know, like the the jagged you know edges of the hair. It's it, you know it's it's edgy. It fits. I like it. It's really working for the book. And now, you know, with Tony Bedard, you know, he's he's come a long way in his run. You know, in the beginning, it was just Shit. not good. Yeah, well, it was it was bad. Mm-hmm. And you know, now we get this issue, where it's like, well, this is like, you know, this is just as good as all the other issues in the, you know, the the war of the Green Lantern so far. Mm. I like how they're still trying to figure out how their rings work. It's not like they have a immediate grasp on them. Yeah, but they are getting the hang of it in that they actually can do some things. Yeah. And I like that that uh, that John used the Indigo to harness willpower. So that, that made yep. a lot of sense. I like his immediate relax- reaction. Like, they know going down into Mogo they're about to get their minds messed with. And Katma shows up, and his immediate reaction is, Katma Tui is dead, get out of my head, Mogo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then they're like, it's like, wait, no, that's, you know, she's actually there to warn you. So, yeah, so, like, even that, you have Mogo trying to warn them, even though he's, you know, somebody's trying to mind control him. You know, 
But I, I like this line that Kyle says, and I know it probably didn't wasn't written to be like this, but as a fan of Green Lantern, I've read a few Kyle issues. I remember back when Kyle would face, uh, he was like the voice of the comics fans back then to, to some degree, and he would make fun, jokes and stuff about how villains would have a monologue and stuff like that. And one of the things Kyle says in here is when they're getting chased by the Green Lanterns, he says, God, I hate how they don't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> in my mind, I thought that was what it was referring to, and it made me laugh. <laughs> that was a good line. <laughs> Plays up the creepiness. Yeah. But, it's very uh, subtle. What do you think of Mogo's core? Um, uh, the core itself is slightly less than impressive. It's not very big. No. I mean, like, the art is, is nice. It's just... thought it would be more more impressive. Like a city or something like that. And using Buzzed? That was great. Yeah. Uh, using Buzzed and uh, Kyle using uh, Paul, you know, the husband of that other Green Lantern. Yeah. That was... Uh, those were really nice touches. I like that a lot. I like it when... Blue blue uh, lanterns make constructs. So far, I haven't seen a single blue lantern construct I don't like. They do it so few, like every time they do it, it's so few and far between that it's like it's like a, a happening into it of itself. Like oh shit, a blue lantern's making a construct. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is awesome. I like this a lot. And I really want a figure of Black Lantern, uh, John Stewart. Yeah, yeah, that was that was cool. I don't. I don't necessarily know that I need that figure, because I'd much rather have the Indigo John Stewart. Yeah. But uh, that was cool. Logo's dead. You think they're gonna collect this like they collected Sinestro Core War? Well, it's gonna be. It's gonna end up being like ten parts. Right. Yeah, but that's that's enough for a large edition, right? Not not. It doesn't have to be two small card covers. Well, if it's well, we know that they're gonna do hard covers first. So, and they'll probably put in, like, a prelude issue or two and an epilogue. So, we're looking at 12 Then we have the aftermath. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, probably get, uh, how how many issues is the aftermath? Uh, I think one issue per title, if I'm remembering right. Yeah, I'm not sure how they'll break that up. Okay, and uh, lastly, we got Emerald Warriors number 10. Uh, now, this one is uh, written by Tomasi, drawn by Pissarin, and inked by Smith. Um, I'm not sure who did the colors. Colorist Rob Lay. Okay. Yeah, and that's important to note, because the colors in this one were beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the glow, the blue glow around Kyle alone is just fantastic. Um, okay, so in this issue, well, Mogo just died, and apparently when Mogo dies, everybody wearing a Green Lantern ring or the Guardians themselves, uh, they kind of face like a giant, uh, a Mogo feedback wave, if you will. <laughs> There's a giant disturbance in the Force, <laughs> and, and they all feel it. So... The, you know, all the other uh, Guardians and Krona are out of commission for a little while. So that's that's uh, Guy and Hal's cue to 
escape, you know, get get out of their their robes. They don't realize what's happened just yet, but they'll figure that out eventually. Um, Kyle and uh, John they argue about what what John just did, and then they teleport over to Hal and uh, Guy. So yeah, they're all you know trying to escape and. They're like, okay, well, time to try and, you know, get Parallax out of the battery again. And uh, they try again. Again, it doesn't work. That's when Ganthet finally comes through, comes to, and is like, you know, you still have two more rings. If you want to, you know, do this, if you really want to accomplish this mission, you know, you're going to have to use all of them. So uh, without even really asking... He just pops the orange one on Hal and the uh, the violet on Guy. So now they're both wearing two rings, which is going to be extra difficult because you have to feel two emotions then. And uh, they all, you know, kind of go at it. And you have tons and tons of Green Lanterns under Cronus' control that are finally coming through, coming to, and, you know, attacking them also. So, the rest of the Green Lanterns kind of, like, lay down cover so that Guy can be, like, the one who, since he has both of the most extreme rings, you know, he's the one that's going to have the best shot at, uh, getting Parallax out of the battery. And so, you know, he, he hits the battery with everything he's got, love and hate, love and hate. He loves the cores, you know, he hates being filled with rage, and... Finally, he's able to do it. He, he breaks the, the power battery. Parallax comes flying out, and uh, all of the Green Lanterns are no longer you know under Cronus' spell. They no longer have the yellow impurity in them. And uh, at that point, all the Lanterns you know can regain their Green Lantern rings. And you have to wonder what's going to happen with Parallax... Well, don't wonder for too long, because Krona, he gets a muzzle on Parallax, and he's got him under control really quick. And uh, this basically paves the way for the all-out final battle between all of the Green Lanterns, thinking clearly against the Guardians and Krona, all with their, you know, entity-inhabited bodies. Hmm. Now, my question to you is... Okay. If Mogo is dead, mm-hmm. who's guiding the rings under the fingers of Guy and John and Hal and Kyle? Willpower. Okay. Care to elaborate? Since um, I already, I personally already know where you're probably going with this, so. Yeah, well, um, once they can finally use the rings again, they... <sighs> well, we don't know where the rings were. You know, like, let's assume that they were in their pockets or something. So, you know, they're just willing the rings to come back onto their hands and, you know, it gives them the the default message, welcome, you know, you have blah, 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 welcome to the core. Hmm. All right. Well, you know, okay, Mogo may, you know, they may attribute Mogo, you know, to the, you know, being the one that finds all the new recruits. But for a long time, they never mentioned Mogo. And that it was just that the ring, you know, either the 
person who wore the ring would have to go and find replacements or, you know, new recruits or the ring would find it on, you know, on its own with the, you know, artificial intelligence of the ring. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I personally always like that a lot more. I like, I, I never really liked the idea of Mogo being the one that directed the rings because even though he's a planet, he's still a living being. As opposed to, you know, you put the qualifications into an equation and whatever pops out to be the best, you know, that's your Green Lantern. Well, I liked it. I liked all the stuff about Mogo, though, once once we started learning about Blackest Night. Not necessarily when Blackest Night started, but all the cores started popping up and all this mystery and intrigue popped up. Because it gave more weight to Avin's death, because if Mogo's supposed to control it, Avin forced it onto Earth and made it pick someone from Earth. You know? Does that make any sense to you? Um, wait, what? Well, if Mogo controls the selection process... Right. It gave more weight, in my mind, to the story of Avin's death. If Mogo was supposed to take that ring and have some... and, and guide it somewhere... Abin was talking to the ring and told it to find someone, a worthy successor, and he crash-landed on Earth. What if he, in my mind, he purposely guided his his ship to Earth (laughs) because of everything he knew about the Blackest Night prophecy. He wanted a human as a Green Lantern. Right. That's, that's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, but that... I don't know what I was just trying to say there. Like, that, that doesn't depend on Mogo too much because... You know, you have an inhabited planet. Chances are you're going to be able to find one person that is, you know, able to overcome fear and, you know, is honest. Hmm. You know, like if there was nobody on Earth, then it would just go to the next planet. You know, whatever. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, like you, like what, what you were, you know, what it sounded like you were getting at was, it makes it better if you don't think of it that Mogo was the one that was guiding it, you know, because Abin crash lands on Earth, and, you know, he realizes he's dying, okay, well, now he has to pick a champion from Earth, you know, like that, I don't know, it it just seems to give it more weight than, yeah, planet picked me, I don't know, personal preference, Mm -hmm. was there really anything else to go over on these? I don't know, um, did you... (laughs) Because when I was talking about this with other people, they they actually thought Kyle was going to be able to restart Mogo's core. I mean, I know it's on the same page, and obviously he says no in the next panel. But <laughs> did you, for a second, think it was possible? Um, because it's not like they haven't killed a character and brought him back in the next issue. Yeah. Um. In fact, actually, it's fairly poetic to have <laughs> Kyle be the one. That tries that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I didn't really think about it, like, because it, it happened so fast. I just like how Kyle, he's been able to tap in. Like, it's this steady progression of them mastering their their respective new rings. And now, all of a sudden, he's grabbing multiple chunks of rock and trying to bring a planet back to life. You know, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, hope at its finest. And uh, I also wanted to say, I called it. 
in a way. Okay. Someone wearing a red and a star sapphire ring. Oh yeah, <laughs> you <laughs> called it. <laughs> oh please, you did not call it. You just had really good taste. <laughs> well, either way, thank God someone's finally admitting that I have good taste. <laughs> you know. Now the funny part is, well, I don't know if it's funny, but you you look at the design for. Um, for Hal and Guy when they're both wearing the two rings mm-hmm. and I mean like Hal Hal's okay but Guy I mean like that costume is just like could they have put any any less thought into designing the costume yeah <laughs> uh, like, like seriously like you know Guy Gardner was wearing a you know his his Red Lantern costume, which is you know kind of a play off of his his actual Green Lantern costume. And then when he puts the violet ring on, literally the only thing that changes is half of his pants colors to violet, and the Red Lantern symbol you know on his left side turns you know three quarters of a star sapphire symbol. That's it. That's the only changes. Like. Okay, and granted, not that I'm talking about, you know, ooh, I want to see Guy Gardner in a, uh, you know, a, a violet metal bikini. Liar. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. But, I mean, like, how awesome an opportunity this was to, you know, design at least half of a male Star Sapphire costume. Yeah. And they completely squandered that. You know, it, it could have been, you know, you could have done the something similar in tone to what the Star Sapphires wear, and then for the flesh part, have it fill in black. Keep him around in that costume for a little while, and maybe, you know, Carol sees it and is like, hey, you know what, I like that design. And she changes the costume for all the Star Sapphires. Hmm. That would have been cool. And I'll say something about this issue in this series. Guy has now replaced Kyle as my second second favorite lantern. <laughs> Except for one part that I did not like. Okay. I didn't buy it, so I'll ask if you bought this. Say it, tell yourself the truth, idiot. Who do you care about most? What do you care about the most? Why would he have to go through so much personal discovery in his own mind to tell himself, I love the core? Did you really buy that? Like, it was a cool visual. Well. But. I don't know. I mean, like, they they don't seem to want to do voice, bu- you know, thought bubbles. So, I, I, I kind of look at it as he has to kind of psych himself up for, you know, this kind of a task. Okay. Um, I think it would have been funnier if he's like, it's like, it's like, if it's not Torah then what is it? And it turns out that it's himself. <laughs> I, I mean, like, really, like, they could have gone that route, too. It could have been, like, you know, you know, I'm the greatest thing in the world. I love myself. It's like, you know, but I, you know, let this happen to so-and-so, and I, you know, did this, and, you know, I, I hate what I've done, you know, in that instance, and go that route, too. 
those are two very very wild emotions to have to wear together. And and, and for my part, last but not least, pro uh, a guy freed parallax from the battery by breaking it. And does anybody remember what happened the last time the battery got cracked? <sighs> well, which which time are you talking about? Exactly, that's my point. <laughs> this has happened before, and it's never ended well. <laughs> well, I mean, aside from you know it, it cracking, you know, we don't even know if if the battery itself is going to remain intact after this. Hmm. Which would actually be pretty awesome if they no longer have to charge up from power batteries, if that's the route that they're going. It's a nice uh, splash page with all the Green Lanterns on the, the end. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I like, um, uh, what's his name? Izamot's pal. Wait, is that Izamot? He's wearing the, uh, the construct armor or whatever? Um, where in the image? Uh, bottom right-ish. Of the group shot? What, who's, who's... Oh, okay, yeah, no, that's, uh, Vath. There you go, Vath, I couldn't remember his name. Izumat's buddy, Vath. I thought that was cool. Especially considering he doesn't have an arm, right? Well, no, he lost his legs, but... Leg, there you go, legs. Uh, but his, you know, his partner gave him his. Okay. So he does have legs now. And then, uh, over on the left... Near the bottom, you have uh, Rotlop fan again. Yeah. Love pointing that out. Well, so. So, 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 what do you think about the uh, the ad? Yeah, I just kind of passed right by it. Have you taken the time to look at look into it though? No, I absolutely mm. have not. For those of you who don't know, this is this is an ad for the. Um, oh, sorry, for the Newton and District Astronomers Guild. And it caught my eye because the ring surrounding this nebula in the picture, it's like this person staring with a telescope out into space and this background image of a nebula. But the ring surrounding this little image of the nebula looked exactly like the center of one of the first shots we had of the Green Lantern symbol from the Green Lantern movie. So I, I stopped and actually looked at this ad. And it's, it's funny because uh, it says... Well, I won't read the whole thing, but the the key things that step it off is it says something about contact Dr. Amanda Waller and the the this agency, this Newton Astronomers Guild or whatever is is twinned with the Metropolis Astronomy Society and the Gotham Amateur Astronomy Federation. And it's it I think they've already started like viral campaigns and stuff for for the Green Lantern movie. The way, kind of the way they did for the Batman stuff, because this website is, uh, uh, it's, it's not really something that's like incredible or anything, but there's a couple of cool things to, to just read. Uh, there's, there's images you won't see anywhere else that are probably, they look like images taken from the Green Lantern movie. Um, this is probably more of backstory of what the whole what Amanda Waller's role is in the Green Lantern movie. Um, you know, what, what her and Hector Hammond teaming up and all that means in the movie and stuff like that. It's just a cool little, cool little thing to check out. Snooze fast. 
Maybe so, but it's just cool. There's there's images like of some green energy in space colliding with some red energy. Um, stuff like that. Just, oh, wow. So it's like a throwback to collateral damage. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so what, what do we have, like one issue left of this series? Of this uh, War of the Green Lanterns? Can they wrap it up in one issue in a way that will satisfy you? Um, that is not a double-sized issue? I, I don't see why not. I mean, they freed all the Green Lanterns, so... Yeah, I think they could do that in one issue. Okay. The thing that I have to say uh, thus far about this, this, you know, War of the Green Lanterns, um, yes, it's mind control, and yes, I pretty much called it. I mean, it, it was just, it seemed obvious. It seemed like the only way that you'd be able to really get a, a believable war going on. But uh, even though it uses mind control like i'm definitely enjoying it you know i i think i think it's definitely a, a good story uh, overall i think it's it's you know it's a lot of fun i enjoy this story a lot although i don't understand why some people are saying that after this they're done with green lantern period yeah that seems odd i i can't imagine it's uh people from cgs too really yeah i can't remember but i think it might have been pants or mike i don't know I don't know, it seems odd because I would think that after the War of the Green Lanterns, like, you know, you're going to have a new status quo or something. So, I don't know, it might be more interesting to read after War of the Green Lanterns. Hmm. Shall we take a break? We shall. In blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's light. Hi, this is Phil Lamar, John Stewart on Justice League Unlimited, and you're listening to The Lantern Cast. You couldn't sound more excited. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm very tired tonight. I really wanted to record, but I'm just, yeah. <laughs> work work definitely uh, took it out of me tonight. So this week, this, well, as we record this this week, uh, something came out, and uh, it was awesome. Would you like to tell everybody what it was, Chad? Oh, come on. You, you, you do a big reveal for once. <laughs> okay. This week was released Green Lantern Emerald Knights. Ah, yeah. This is the second Green Lantern animated movie that uh, was direct to DVD um, and Blu-ray and digital versions. <laughs> um, it was it was awesome. I, I finally got a chance to watch it last night, 
and uh, I know you got to watch it like the night that it came out. And well, I've watched it twice since I had it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's basically everything that I wanted from a Green Lantern directed DVD movie that they didn't give us in the first one. Hmm. I enjoyed it for the most part. Okay. Um, I really like the tale of the first lantern. Uh, I, I really like the tale um, of Mogo. Uh, more for actually seeing that on screen than the, the actual content of that story. Just being able to see that story come to life was pretty cool. And I, I really like the Avin story. That was, that was, uh, you know, as well as the, the basic plot that was running throughout the whole thing. Um, I, I, while I enjoyed the other stories, just on a personal level, I didn't really connect with them that much. So, but it, it was, it was good. Yeah. I really, I really liked that. And, uh, I, I thought the art was fantastic. Um, the voice acting was done well. It was kind of jarring, especially with Kilowog's voice. Um, but it was still enjoyable. Um, you got over it pretty fast. I thought some of the writing was a little too heavy-handed, uh, if that's even the right word. Um, but it was it was still it wasn't enough to take me out of it. It wasn't enough. I'm I'm just talking I'm talking from a critical point of view. I'm not I'm letting the the experience of the movie fade from my mind as being this epic awesomeness and just taking a more critical look at it. But it, overall, it is it is definitely worth the purchase it is better than first flight oh yes yes now there were a few different versions available so you could buy this as just a regular dvd Mm -hmm. you could buy it as a dvd blu-ray digital copy combo pack Mm -hmm. or depending on where you went you could get a couple of bonuses so well there was also a two disc regular dvd edition Oh, there was? Yes. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, the, the two-disc regular, the second disc comes with a couple of Bruce Timm cartoons and a kind of documentary feature on what it means to be fearless and all that. If you got your DVD at FYE or Suncoast, um, if you pre-ordered, I know, you would get a Green Lantern poster. I think it was a poster of the, the cover image. And if you were in there pre-ordering that, then you also could have taken a look at some of the cool Green Lantern stuff they are selling. Um, I was in there recently, and yeah, I saw the Green Lantern snow globe for $30. Weird. <laughs> Wait, that really expensive one that was released a long time ago? No, it's a it's the movie power battery, and in oh. the center, it's like a the ring and some glitter and, and water. It's, you know... Cheap shit. Well, I've seen some some websites have it for like you know fifty bucks or more. Oh. So seeing it for thirty dollars, I mean, it's still more money than I would pay for a Green Lantern, you know, piece like that. But uh, oh, I thought you were talking about that Green Lantern, that really intricate one that came out a few years ago. No, that thing's amazing. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely not that. Um, so yeah, so Fye has the poster. Uh, if you go to Best Buy. Uh, they had, they were giving away a Sinestro, a Green Lantern Sinestro minifigure. It's less articulation than the Infinite Heroes, Hal. But, uh, 
you know, it does have some articulation. Uh, basically, if you guys have seen or got the uh, Batman Under the Red Hood edition that came with a figure of the Red Hood, it's the same thing, only Sinestro. It's cool. It's actually, I think uh, right around now they were going to be coming out with the Green Lantern Sinestro maquette mm-hmm. uh, for the movie. And uh, the little figurine looks very much like that. Um, yeah. And then if you had ordered off of Amazon, you got a, a limited edition, like a, what was that? Like a cell? Yeah. Uh, a series cell kind of thing? Yeah. Um, very cool looking. I, I definitely would have gone for that if I had realized sooner. But like, you know, Tuesday rolled around. Like, I think I found out about that near the end of the previous week. And, uh, you know, I, I never got around to ordering it then. And then it's just like, okay, well, Tuesday's here. I want it. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to wait for Amazon to mail it to me. So I got the little Sinestro figurine. It's a it's a great it's a great film. I really I really enjoy it. It's a nice it's it's a pretty in a way it's kind of a nice lead in to the uh, Green Lantern movie itself. It's yeah it's it's good. It gives you some background, um, which I know you were happy about. Oh my god, yeah! The fact that they actually referenced willpower, you know, the ring is willpower. Um, it's fantastic. Now they they definitely did change some things um like the first lantern that wasn't really the first lantern in the comic right but it was still a really good story it was absolutely a great story and you know in in a bunch of these stories you get to see green lanterns doing things that you would expect to see a green lantern do if they were in a really desperate situation and they were able to summon all their willpower um, mm-hmm. And I, I think we haven't really seen that. We, oh, we, I don't think we've seen it in a while, you know, because I think Hal has done some, you know, some cool things, but I don't, I don't really think we've seen anything since like maybe the Kyle run, where you just had some kind of like really just amazingly epic show of willpower, or you know, at least something that looks like it's really big and grandiose. And I, and I say that because a lot of times now, Hal Jordan ends up going against adversaries that are so, so powerful um, that it's just like, you know, he could, he could be exerting all of his willpower, but because the enemy is so, you know, so much more powerful, you know, it just, it doesn't appear, you know, as awesome as it, it should. Um, and this, this movie, I think... You know, it, it really displays the power of a Green Lantern. You know, it gets it, g- it gives you the basics. It tells you some really fun stories, um, and and at the end of the day, it's like that's you know, that's all anybody could really hope for. Absolutely. So I, I highly recommend it, and we'll we'll talk more about this, you know, in a future episode. We'll have a uh, a commentary track and everything. Yeah, which I'll hopefully be on this time around. <laughs> Yeah, about that, Chad. <laughs> I will get you no more awesome interviews until I'm on a commentary track. <laughs> okay, then I'll I'll make sure that a commentary track happens eventually for you. <laughs> um, uh, the only other comment that I wanted to make was the uh, 
the 100th episode movie meetup in New York City. We're actually going to be postponing that a week. So um, due to scheduling conflicts and whatnot, we, we couldn't end up having it on the 18th, which would have been the opening weekend. So, yeah, I mean, it's a little disappointing, but, uh, you know, it gives us a little more time to plan things, so that's good. It's going to be at the 34th Street uh, AMC Lowe's 14. Uh, it's just just right by Penn Station, you know, very nearby if you are going into the city. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll get a, a nice-sized group of us together. We'll go see the movie. Now, I, I fully anticipate that this will not be most most of our uh, first time seeing the movie. But, like, seriously, if you're going to see it with the Lantern cast, chances are you're going to see this movie twice anyway. And uh, then we'll go get some food afterwards. So, uh, should be fun. There's there's links like on the forum, on the Facebook page, and uh, I think even on our Twitter. You know, on information. You know, where to go for information on this. So, uh, hope to see you there. And I will not see you there, but I hope that you will be there. Not you. I'm talking to the listener. Right <laughs> I mean, I, I would hope that I'm there also, <laughs> Chad. <laughs> uh, okay. You know, the one well, the one thing that I'm going to end end this episode on is that uh Uh-oh. no nothing nothing bad over the weekend i was rearranging my uh my action figure collection and you know i have my display case with the power batteries and i have my green lanterns you know figurines you know all the ones in the package kind of you know placed in you know random spots anywhere there's space that I can fit to display these things. You know, they're, they're on top of the display case. They're in the display case. They're on the sides of the top of the display case. Anywhere that would display them, you know, I'm using that space. So, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, let me let me change this up a little bit because it's been this way for so long. So I started going through and I took all my orange lanterns and I put them all together. So, I, you know, I have one shelf with Larflees, Lex Luthor, and Orange Lantern Hal. You know, and I have, like, at the very top, my Red Lanterns. I have Mera. I have Atrocitus and Red Lantern Hal. You know, and, you know, I got my Blue Lanterns, uh, Indigo One, you know, the Green Lantern, Star Sapphire. Uh, you know, it's it's cool. I, Star Sapphire, Wonder Woman, because, you know, she's cool. And then all of a sudden, it occurred to me that... The only Sinestro Corps figures that I have at all are the Sinestro Corps Batman from uh, from Mattel, and that one's opened on the bottom shelf with my yellow, you know, lantern battery, and the Sinestro Corps Cyborg Superman, which, even though it's a fantastically cool figure, it's not really yellow. You know, he's got that red and black and silver costume, so it's like. You know, I have so many awesome Green Lantern figures, and I have no cool DC Direct representative from the Sinestro Corps. How dare you, sir? I'm disappointed with myself. Yeah, I don't have one either. <laughs> I mean, like, I want to get, like, I have a Sinestro figure in, you know, a White Lantern Sinestro figure. But, uh, you know, you, you look online and that Yellow Lantern Sinestro is like, you know, 40, 50, 60 bucks or whatever. Well, ever since I found out about these little lead figurines, uh, that's that's my collection now. That's the only one I'm going to act all completist about. Yeah. 
you know, that, that's that's a cool collection to to go after. I'm I'm going for the Earth Lanterns myself. So I'm just I'm going any and all Green Lantern related. So. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna, now I have to keep an eye out for uh, for a Yellow Lantern, and hopefully, hopefully they'll they'll release the Yellow Lantern Sinestro soon. Well, they did black out the Sinestro figure in the new Green Lantern wave, but, you know, like, we have no idea what's going to happen with uh, Sinestro after this story, so yeah, who knows what color he's going to be, if any at all. Maybe it'll be a Yellow Lantern Hal, and to keep it different from the exclusive from San Diego Comic-Con, they can make it so that he's not wearing a green ring on his right hand. So, if you want to contact... <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Um, oh, let's see here. Well, I, I was just making a segue because you always seem to be the one who wants to wrap it up. <laughs> if you want to contact us, our website is lanterncast.com. Uh, there you'll find links to our forum, to our Facebook page. Um, we have a Twitter. You can check out our, our photo gallery. You can email the show at lanterncast at gmail.com. You can email us individually at Jim, Dan, Chad, Jason, or James at lanterncast.com. <laughs> um, uh, and if you want to leave us a voicemail, please do. And the number is 708-LANTERN. Sounds good. Uh, and, and that's it. Talk to you all later. So long, everyone. Night. To the Supergirl cut. Well, not <laughs> <laughs> James. That is the quote at the end of the episode. I don't give a no. damn. What Jim says absolutely not. Yes, do it. <laughs> no.